A draw is better than a loss. I am the champ. Oh my gosh. No, no, no. <laughs> no I, <didn't. laughs> I, I believe that is the quadruple. Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal. Come on, Jared Goff. Come on. Any trade that involves you getting Drew Locke, you probably lost. Well, I guess everyone knew more than I did. The amount of times that you have been on stage with less than reputable clothing? Yes, indeed. We have no shit. Enough said on that. I can neither confirm or deny. Shout out to um, Raccoon Red. Clearly, I have a lot of opinions about this. Hello and welcome to another episode of Improper Fantasy Football. My name is Mark. And I am Biz. Man, it has been a while. How are you, my friend? I'm feeling great about this upcoming season. I've had a fantastic, restful summer. Got to go to Hawaii. Loved everything about like this nice, relaxing summer. But it's time to go to work. It's time to watch other people to go to work and much more strenuous things than <laughs> we have to do. And it's time to have a lot of fun doing that. Uh, how about you, though? Matt, yeah, it is. Uh, like I said, it, God, it's, it's good to hear your voice. It, we've been off air for a while. Yeah, I've been... I'm across the pond at the moment, back in my, my home country. Um, I'm, I'm currently in Leeds, um, in Yorkshire, the county of my birth. I've been working, but also had a bit of a holiday. So it's sort of like a bit of a working holiday, as they say. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun. But yeah, ready, ready to almost uh, get back to the start of the season. It is almost upon us. And um, yeah, we've got lots of things to uh, get into. So um, let's, uh, you know, start of the fantasy season is upon us soon as well. So yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. I'm ready to jump back into this, Biz. And I'm ready for our listeners to engage with us once again. Listeners, if you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us at our Twitter. Sorry, to our X at Improper Fantasy. Uh, to oh, be able see to where you did that. I see you did that. <laughs> oh, gosh, wasn't that the dumbest thing this, this I summer? Still like, I still don't. Uh, I still, yeah. I mean. I, I'm I, sorry, listeners. Could... I'm still going to say Twitter. I'm still going to yeah. say Twitter. To be fair, we could have done a whole episode on that about about Twitter changing its name to, uh, to X or you know, mm. however, or Twitter or X, formerly known as Twitter, as it's now often called when I see it on articles and things like that. But yeah, yeah. But listeners, if you want to reach out to us, our Twitter is at Improper Fantasy. Our Gmail is Improper Fantasy Podcast at Gmail But the icebreaker question I have for you, Biz, and I know this is an open ended one, but what are you most excited about for this upcoming season? You know me. There's only there's only there's only one thing that springs to mind for me. You know you know who my favorite coach is in all of the NFL. Brandon Staley. There it is. There it is. So I am most excited to see if he will still be in a job by by the end of the by the end of the season. Justin Herbert just signed a massive contract. They've got mm -hmm. all the tools. You know, I, I'm most excited to see if they finally. It, it's so difficult for me because I love Justin. Justin Herbert is my favorite player in the NFL. You like, desperately I, I, want I, to be a Chargers fan. I, no, and I do. And that is what is so conflicting. I cannot stand it. It's like I want to... <laughs> I, I, I do want to be a Chargers fan. And yet, there is someone that is just stopping me and it just um, annoys me to kingdom come. So I am... Um, yeah, it, it's, I, I, yeah, so I am most excited to see if the Chargers can get over the hump this year. Well, if they get over the hump, that means that... Either they fire Brandon Staley really early on, <laughs> or he does a good job, and then you have to be forced to like him because he can lead them to some playoff wins. Well, yeah, but it, 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 to be fair, it won't be him. It will be it will be it will be Justin mm -hmm. Herbert, just you know, going off on one, and it will be it will be other you know Austin Eckler having a great season, and 
Um, with Kellen Moore Allen calling the offense. There. Kellen Moore calling the offense. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm excited about that. But um, yeah, um, that that's that's one of the things I'm most excited about seeing. I, there are some other things too, but that's probably my number one. I mean, it, it's no shock to anybody that what I'm most excited about is my Seattle Seahawks and if they can take another step forward no, after the quick rebuild that they did horrible. last year. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I, I am um, stunned. I am stunned beyond belief. I, I have been tempering my expectations. I think that we uh, can take a step forward this year. I think we can win a playoff game this year. I, I think everything is trending in the right direction. But I saw a, uh, a YouTube video earlier today by a YouTube channel called Football Analysis, uh, where the title of it essentially was, yes, the Seahawks can win the Super Bowl this year. And I was like, damn it! Why do you have to do that to me? Why do you have to make me have hope for something that big? I'd be fine with a playoff victory, but nope. Now I have to be on the bandwagon that says, we can win the whole thing. So let me get this straight. Because of this one uh, article, is that correct? That you, it's a, that it's you a YouTube saw, video. It's a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. You, you now seriously believe that the Seattle Seahawks can win the Super Bowl. I didn't say that I believe that. I mean, like, any team can in the sense that, like, no, yeah, no, sure, we could. Um, do I, on would I put money down on it this season? Maybe my friends would would disown me from my Seahawks fandom for saying that. They're not one of the five, six teams I'd seriously put money on for something like that. Um, if things break our way, sure, we could probably win the same way that the Giants got two Super Bowls a decade or so ago. But the, the Seahawks probably have, like, growing as a team and maybe one more piece missing before this team is actually anything. You know, maybe having Jamal Adams healthy would be great. Anyway, well, I'm just excited for the Seahawks' pent-up frustration to become something. Well, look, to be fair, last year, I think you certainly overachieved or went way beyond anyone's expectations after mm-hmm. Russell Wilson left. No one thought you were going to do anything. I said top five pick. Geno Smith comes in and plays really, really well. And you get to the playoffs as a seventh seed. That was way beyond anyone's expectation. So if you take that on next year, I mean, that's, that's progress as far as I'm concerned. We have a couple of teams that are up and coming in the NFC that we have to keep an eye out. A lot of people are really excited about what's going to happen with that NFC North and the NFC South, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of underperforming still within this conference. I know, I know. Yeah. That, that's going out on a limb. That's, that, that's really putting myself out on a limb there. Um, but anyway, we, we're talking about football. I want to talk more about football. Why don't we jump right into what this football podcast is about, which is fantasy. Biz, there are so many ranking lists out there. There are so oh. many tiers. This, this guy is an A tier. This guy's an S tier. Honestly, my attention span right now, because I've been just like going from mock draft to mock draft to mock draft to mock draft right now, I can't think that many numbers in a row. I just kind of want to talk about, for you, for just a standard fantasy draft, who are your top five quarterbacks or running backs or wide receiver? Let's hit them all. Um, Let's just start for you. Who are your top five quarterbacks, Biz? So I think it's it's no surprise that my top three are going to be Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts. And then I would go Justin Herbert and... Joe Burrow for me. Now, interestingly, I'm just for argument's sake, I'm looking at fantasy pros and they've got Lamar Jackson at number four. 
they've got Joe Burrow at five and they've got Justin Fields at six, Justin Herbert at seven and Trevor Lawrence at eight. Now, me personally, I just want something slow and steady, as they say, and I just want a surefire thing. I think with Justin Fields, even now, there's still just so many unknowns. We all know what he can do with his arms and legs. To me, it's still a bit inconsistent. And obviously, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. We know what Jalen Hurts did last year. He was a perennial MVP candidate, was excellent. We saw what he did in the Super Bowl. So for me, I would go with um, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Now, personally for me, I would probably even put Jalen Hurts above Josh Allen. And I might even put Joe Burrow ahead of Josh Allen. Um, well, Joe Burrow's got that half strain that he's dealing with right now. That's right now. They're still saying it's going to keep no, him no, out for several weeks. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's true. You're you're absolutely right about that. I mean, I guess this is sort of taking the injury out of out of context, like just in a. But in a we're vacuum. talking about points in a season now. I need to know. Okay, that. fair enough. Fair enough. So I would I would probably replace Joe Burrow. God, would I put Trevor Lawrence in there? I don't. The thing with Trevor Lawrence is he had a good season last year, but he wasn't a breakout star. Um, and I just, I still, to me, with Jacksonville, there's still some unknowns. And then you've also got Deshaun Watson, who currently in fantasy pros in tier three. Honestly, to me, I, I just, because it's Cleveland, I, just, I feel bad saying that because it's sort of my second yeah. city. I, I just, I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to be that, that great. Um, so, I, I, to be honest, even given the injury to Joe Burrow, I'd still probably put him in my top five. So you then, you, you just got kind of the standard five then. It's Mahomes, Hurts, Allen. You have Jackson and Burrow. Is that right? No, not, not Jackson. Or it's uh, just, Herbert, Herbert and Burrow. Just Burrow, Herbert yeah. and Burrow. Okay. But okay. I'd, put, I'd put Herbert above Burrow. Herbert and Burrow, yeah. But and, only and because be honest, of the injury. I, I would put Hurts above Josh Allen too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um... It's kind of incredible what's happened to our methods of thinking after being on this podcast for as long as we have to with each other. Because the two names that both of us, I think, feel like we're going out on a limb here are the exact same names that each of us have. I'm looking at Trevor Lawrence. I'm looking at Deshaun Watson, um, mainly because you saw the growth from Trevor Lawrence uh, when he got put with a head coach that wasn't Urban Meyer. And you got to see... Sean Watson go into an offseason where he's with the team the whole time. He doesn't have the lingering suspension. You don't have any of this animosity. You just don't know. And Cleveland is still as loaded as as they possibly are. So it's just a bunch of unknowns. Now, I'm not willing to put Deshaun Watson up into the top five. I probably have him higher than other people do, maybe into like my seventh best quarterback overall. I, I think that's not that much of a jump up, but he's probably there. But who would you put him over? I'd probably put him over Fields just because I want to see Fields have more arm. And we saw what happened when he finally ran, but it took that coaching staff halfway through the season to figure out that he could run. Yeah, And we've got an entirely new system with new pass catchers and new weapons. I don't know how balanced they're going to make that offense. Maybe they're going to split with more running backs to be able to help keep Fields fresh rather than have him run roughshod the entire 17-game stretch. I love Fields, and I think he can take that next step, but because of the way that we just saw it explode and teams may be able to catch on to that, I kind of like Lawrence better than Fields. So for me, my top five, and I'm putting Burrow down at six just because of the calf injury that we don't know how long it's going to keep him, but for me, my top five is going to end up being Mahomes, Hurts, 
Allen. It's going to be uh, Herbert and Lawrence at number five. So not not a lot That's of differences between. No, the not a lot of difference. Not a lot of difference. I mean, yeah, and I think we both have similar question marks over, say, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, but. Trevor Lawrence could have a, because a, I, I don't think he's had, even last year, I don't think Trevor Lawrence had a breakout year. Like, it, he was he was markedly improved. He was yep. much, much better than he was in his rookie year. Obviously, we all know why. Mm-hmm. But he didn't, he didn't set the world alight. And he was, he was very good, but it wasn't a stellar season. So I wonder if this year might be the year that he fulfills that promise that we all thought he would have coming out of Clemson. And we'll see how Calvin Ridley helps that offense too, because that's going to Indeed. be a big addition for them. Indeed. All right, running backs. Hot button topic for this entire offseason. We'll get into what's going on with the running backs overall as a whole later in the podcast, but your top five running backs for fantasy. Keep in mind, we, we run PPR leagues, so we're yeah. going to evaluate these as if we're looking at PPR. You know, this is really interesting me because I sort of went back and forth a little bit about this because I'm looking at fantasy pros again and weirdly in tier two they they have a lot of running backs that I would still probably take in my top five and weirdly we all know obviously the issue with say Josh Jacobs mm-hmm. that some of the, the contract is, um, issues and Jonathan Taylor and even Derek Henry and Nick Chubb honestly for me and we've talked about this a lot in our podcast over the last year, year, year and a half, however long we've been doing this about a surefire thing at running back. We all know the injury history with Christian McCaffrey. And he, he was excellent with San Francisco when he, when he was traded. But again, and I know it sounds, it sounds a weird thing for me, but I just cannot trust Christian McCaffrey's health. And that sounds bad, but like the truth is he has had a history of injury issues for the last four or five years. So would I, would I be more comfortable taking Nick Chubb over Christian McCaffrey? Yeah, I probably would. So that's just me. Uh, will, will Christian McCaffrey score more points if they're all healthy over 17 games? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he would. But I just want a surefire thing that's going to get me maybe 15, 20 points a game. So honestly, for me, I, I don't know in what order, but I would honestly still go with Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, and probably Derek Henry still. Mm-hmm. I like that list. I don't have the same reservations about Christian McCaffrey that you do as far as injuries. It's fair enough. It's uh, fair enough. Part of that is the fact that he's, he, he looked like he held up entirely well last year. And not only did he hold up well, but he had back-to-back seasons where he had terrible injuries for running backs and then was dominant when he came back. So it seems like the previous injuries didn't hold him back. To me, the concern I have with taking McCaffrey incredibly high is the amount of weapons that the San Francisco 49er offense tends to have. So you've got Elijah Mitchell on that team. Last year, people were looking at Elijah Mitchell as a top 20 running back just because he ran in that system. Now, we don't know what's going on behind center. We don't know who, what's going on with the quarterback situation with San Francisco, which makes people think, oh, they're going to be leaning heavily on McCaffrey. Likely not. They're probably going to be running a multi-back set and getting Debo Samuel a lot of carries as well. They'll probably have McCaffrey yeah. flex out to the side to uh, catch passes, which is where... He's going to shine as his dual threat option, but I think given the fact that the 49er offense is designed to hide mistakes and weaknesses, I think you're going to see McCaffrey not be like a number one or number two 
as far as like the Tolt rankings. He's still in my top five. I'm not dropping him out of the top five, but I don't think he's my one. Um, I know that he's been having contract disputes like Austin Eckler. Like to me, he's been the darling of fantasy football the past like three years or so. Yeah. Um, like I love the fact that he was just kind of like a random backup who could also catch out of the backfield. And he's just been the best running back in football. Like as long as you and I have been doing yeah, yeah. fantasy yeah. together. Yeah, no, he's been brilliant. Yeah. He's been great. So my list is going to remain pretty, pretty boring, ultimately. I've got Eckler at one. I've got Barkley at two. I know I'm biased because I keep saying he's the running back on football. I've got Derrick Henry at three. And depending on which mm -hmm. rankings list you see him on, he can be as high as two and he can be as low as 12. Yeah, but I don't yeah, care. Yeah. Derrick Henry is better than everybody else yeah, from no, a physical standpoint. No, I, I still agree with that. Yeah, I still agree with that. I would put McCaffrey at four because I'm not willing to drop him down that far. And I, the question is whether or not I think B. John Robinson is better than Josh Jacobs or Nick Chubb. And for a rookie that's going to yeah, a system you, that struggled last year... Yeah, you can't take that risk. Really. No, I, I, would probably take, I would probably take Nick Chubb as well. Um, Nick Chubb yeah. tends to not get a lot of love in these rankings lists, but he is just really good. And he's you and I are a lot higher on him than a lot of other yeah. people. Yeah, he's, he's a yeah. workhorse. Yeah. A uh, little bit of disagreement between the running backs that we've got, but uh, wide receivers, I don't think you and I are going to have a lot of differences in wide receivers because of how, how good some of these guys just yeah. are. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, for me, obviously, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, one and two, whatever order you want, I think they're, for me, top two and then obviously Cooper Cup is in there as well so it's for me they're the clear top three you can put whatever order you want with them I think they're all going to be excellent from a fantasy standpoint I would then probably put Tyreek Hill fourth I just think because of Jalen Waddle, I do uh, because that 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 duo is is brilliant together I mean we saw what they did with Miami last year you know the the fifth receiver is tricky because you know, you could argue, well, Stefan Diggs didn't have an excellent year last year. Was still good, but not excellent. And then I look at, say, C.D. Lamb or A.J. Brown or Devontae Adams. And I think all of those, like, I think, would I, would I probably go for A.J. Brown or Devontae Adams over Stefan Diggs? I probably would, actually. And honestly, there's even Jalen Waddle. And I know, like, in fantasy pros, You love Jalen Waddle. I love well, you know, I'm not that I'm biased, but we all, we all know we all know why. But you know, he's he's my boy from two years ago. But anyway, he yep. won me the championship. But would I go for a Jalen Waddle over Stefan Diggs? Probably. But an interesting thing is Chris Olave. You know, a number twelve with. I know that's that's a massive leap. Saying, well, is he going to be top five? But I just think over CD Lamb or, you know, I I, I don't know. I mean, personally. The top four is Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup. Those top three in whatever order. I'd go Tyreek Hill at four. Personally, I would probably go Devontae Adams at five, if that was okay. me. Okay. Pretty pretty cook cookie cutter there. Um, yeah, not that no, like, you're we're right. you're shocked, right. quite frankly. You're, right. you're um, right. I do want to add a little bit of intrigue to this. So there's a name that you didn't even mention that I am going to put in my top five. Number one is Jay Jettis. I, I can't 
I, yeah. I can't not put Justin Jefferson in. He was the best offensive player in football last year. He is only getting better. He has had the best three-year stretch as a wide receiver to start a career. And I know that it's easier to get passing yards and passing touchdowns compared to the eras of like Randy Moss and Jerry Rice. I don't care. Justin Jefferson is better than everybody else right now. Jamar Chase, uh, he is 1B on my list. Uh, as long as he's got a healthy quarterback behind him, though. So if Joe Burrow is not there, that takes his value down, which is why I've got Jettas above Jamar. That's fair enough. I mean, the one, the one caveat I would say with Justin Jefferson is he does have Kirk Cousins throwing to him. He does, but Kirk Cousins <laughs> is never god-awful. He's always he's a little bit better than average. And True. that's what he's had the last three years. True. Well, imagine if he had a, a stellar quarterback throwing to him. But anyway, that's a conversation for another day. Well, we'll, we'll bring that up in a bit. Um, I'm putting Tyreek Hill at three. I'm putting Tyreek mm, Hill at three over Cooper Cup. Okay. Okay. And it has nothing to do with the health of Cooper Cup because Cooper Cup, you know, he was trying to play a good bit last year and then he had the hamstring issue that kept him out of like the last few games or whatnot. Yeah. There, so much of that team has had to be stripped down. They still don't have, a, in my opinion, a great left tackle to be able to replace Andrew Whitworth, who was arguably the one yeah. of the big reasons why they won that Super Bowl. I really like Cooper Cup. I love Tyree Kill. Uh, and, and I love the fact that he said that he wants to go for 2,000 yards this season. He's not slowing down as he ages. He's still just an offensive weapon. I, I can't... I can't not put him above Cooper Cup. And I'm going to have Cooper Cup at four. Uh, Cooper Cup is still good. He's still going to get his. Um, he has the in-between-the-hash-marks dynamicism, and he can just disappear down a long stretch if you get him across a cross-field slant. Number five is going to throw you for a loop, I think. Um, I don't have Devontae Adams there because I'm concerned about that injury that he just sustained. Uh, Stephon Diggs, I really like him, but they're they're trying to diversify... Uh, who, where the ball is spread, and they just picked up Dalton Kincaid, an actual pass-catching tight end of the draft. You're probably going to see a lot of passes thrown his way that would have gone to Diggs because of the red zone threat. You mentioned before Chris Olave. I also like putting in a top-tier Ohio State wide receiver yeah. that's going to have a brand-new quarterback this season. I yeah. think Garrett Wilson's going to break out this year. I think uh, Garrett Wilson is going to be a phenomenal pickup. If you end up getting him in round three, you're going to be thrilled with Garrett Wilson on your team. That whole Ohio State wide receiver core from Wilson, Olave, Olave. and now Jackson Smith and, and Jigba were all Jigba. on the same freaking team. Same. Yeah, he, Garrett Wilson now has a confident quarterback who for the first time in years looks relaxed and... I know that Aaron Rodgers is drama, and you know my opinions on him. I'm not the biggest Aaron Rodgers fan, but you have to admit that if Garrett Wilson won Rookie of the Year last year by having Mike White and Zach Wilson throw to him, that Aaron Rodgers doesn't elevate his game? Let's just wait and see, because we haven't actually seen what Aaron Rodgers is going to be like in a Jets uniform yet. And I'm pounding the table. I'm pounding the table. Look at you, Mister Wilson. I'm, I'm not pounding the table and going wrong route for Aaron Rodgers, but like I, I'm looking at the reality of the fact that you've got Garrett Wilson in a an infinitely better situation than what he had last year. I wouldn't be shocked if you saw him going toe to toe with Tyree Kill and Jay Jettas for stats this year. No, I think that's fair enough. I mean, in terms of other sort of leaps, or not even leaps, but flyers on the wide receiver, because obviously there are so many, but you know, even Devontae Smith 
And of the, I mean, we talk about AJ Brown, but mm-hmm. to me, they're sort of 1A and 1B again on that, like they're a tandem of Philadelphia. And Devontae Smith could go for more yards and more touchdowns than AJ Brown. And, and another one that I was just looking at and no one's really talked about, DeAndre Hopkins, now at Tennessee. And, you know, I, do I think he's going to be top five? No, but like, I mean, we all know how good he was, how good he has been throughout his career. Um, mm-hmm. He could, he could have another brilliant season at Tennessee. He could. I don't think that Ryan Tannehill is going to give him the stats to say that, hey, he's the best fantasy wide Boom. receiver this year. Yeah, You can make the argument that still to this day, DeAndre Hopkins is a top two talent at wide receiver in the league, and I will not take I, that away from him. No, I think that's fair enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't think we need to talk about tight ends because it's, um, it's Slim Travis pickings. Kelsey and then the rest of the world. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So uh, that's our thoughts on what we're looking at for the top five players in fantasy across the major position. It's it's just a real fun mental exercise uh, to be able to just think we're find where both of us are thinking. That being the case, time to move on to our next conversation. Running backs. If I were Indeed. to say that I could sell you a running back for four dollars, <laughs> is that too rich for your blood? You know, the uh, yeah I. I actually, I like this story a lot because I, in some ways we talked about it a fair amount about the sort of devaluation of the running back position. But I actually think that what has happened where, you know, they all kind of got together and sort of said what's going on with our position and sort of had this kind of almost behind closed doors meeting. But I think it's fair enough because I look at, say, Dalvin Cook, obviously, who just signed with the Jets. He's, mm-hmm. still, he's still arguably a top five running back in the league. Arguably, and and, and and like even last year he didn't have a great season, but he still he still had a, a very good year. The previous few years, he was behind Derrick Henry. It was one one two, like one. They were the two best running backs in the league. The Vikings release him at the age of twenty eight, which is arguably prime time for a running back. Um, and I I don't really know what what that's about, and I think that running backs are a valued position in the game. And I, I, I'm glad that they kind of, they're trying to kind of say that actually, no, their position is a really valuable position in, in the game. This is one of the, the most difficult conversations to have about the league right now, because what you want is for yeah. a good product to be on the field. You want to be exactly. able to have a reason to watch the game. And without a doubt, what, what will make people watch football. It's fantastic plays, consistent stats, lots of points scored. What's the easiest way to have a lot of points scored? It's a quarterback that has all the protection in the world and the ability to stretch the field or run as well. As you've been seeing quarterback pay and percentage of calorie cap sent to quarterbacks way go up, you're seeing the positions that have been, that have had their overall worth from the rule changes, devalued down and down and down to the point where I think they, what was it? The, there was a statistic where it's like the only positions that were, that had lower franchise tags than running backs were like kickers and punters or something like that. It's, it's, it's wow. kind of crazy that these players that excite everybody for fantasy, the, the general managers have just looked at it and it's like, well, you know, yeah, cool. You can get into the last year of your rookie contract if I don't have a, a rookie in the draft that I like that I took in the seventh round, then I'm just going to go ahead and franchise tag you because it's cheaper than 
paying for another running back, or I'll do what the Saints did and give Jamal Williams like a a four million dollar a year contract to back up another run, running back, Alvin Kamara, whom they may cut at some point because of the issues that he's had. He's not suspended for that fight that he had in Vegas, but his contract is coming is becoming more prohibitive. They may cut him too. You're seeing great running backs start to realize that if they play too good too quick, that they price themselves out of the league. And general managers are just going on this money ball strategy of, hey, it's it's what works, it's what wins, and it's just not important to them to make sure that these players that they grind into the dust aren't getting paid as well as the positions that are being protected. Yeah, it is... It is a difficult conversation to have because it's interesting what you said about the league and it's all about points. But you look at what, say, Derek Henry did a, a couple of years ago when he rushed for like 2,000 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, wasn't he the most exciting player in the, in the league that year? Like, wasn't I think the MVP, though. But, no, but that's not, that's not what I said. Like, sure. was he the most interesting, explosive player that everyone would just like glued to the seat every time he touched the ball? Because I, you thought he was just he was just going to run for a touchdown. I, I I agree. I think that the running back should be paid more, and I think that when you see players out there exciting and explosive, yes, that's exciting for me. But I'm also a person yeah. who loves watching big defenses hit each other. I'm biased. I'm a big fan of the Legion of Boom and Seattle defense. Go, you know, zooming. But I find a lot of interest in this game besides the fact that points and huge stats go up. I like seeing phenomenal individual efforts by players that you don't normally see this type of play. I like seeing stories that happen, but the league right now is becoming incredibly more stats-driven, incredibly more quarterback-driven, that the general managers just can't help themselves. And there are a lot of strategies that people have been saying, well, what happens if you just make it so that you can't franchise take a primary running back and they get to go to free agency on their own accord? Or what happens instead if if you draft a running back, then they have one year less on their contract, so you have to make a decision faster on them rather than uh, grind them even more and more and more. And ultimately, it's not going to matter because the general manager is just going to say, cool, I'll just draft another running back. Okay. But he, we were just talking about Dalvin Cook. Last mm-hmm. year, he rushed for 1,173 yards, eight touchdowns. That's a good season. That's a good season. That's a, that's, a, that's a good season, and they released him. Last year, Dalvin Cook, we just talking about Dalvin Cook. He rushed for 1,173 yards, averaged 4.4 yards a carry, which isn't, uh, in terms of average, it's not amazing, but it's not bad. He rushed for 1,173 yards. That's pretty good. He was the ninth, ninth ranked running back, basically a top 10 running back last year. And the Vikings released him. Like, how and why? Like, do they honestly think like they're going to get a better running back than that? Like, no, because it, nope. who's it? Alexander Matheson that's taken going to be Alexander Matheson. He's not as good as he's not as good as Dalvin Cook. That's just a nope. given. So nope. but I just it doesn't make any sense to me. They're going to try to re-sign Kirk Cousins. They're going to uh, try to re-sign Justin Jefferson. They're, they all they care about is making sure that the money on their roster is allocated to the the positions that are protected and the the players that you're supposed to spend money on right now. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if they decided that, hey, we're going to go ahead and spend money next season also on a shutdown corner and on a left tackle. But it it's really depressing to see, for, for me, who grew up as a fan of the NFL, when the likes of uh, Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders, Terrell Davis becoming a, a, a huge diehard fan during the era of LaDainian Tomlinson, Priest Holmes, yeah. Jamal Lewis, yeah. 
uh, Sean Alexander and Brian Westbrook, and then seeing nowadays, it's just like, wow, you're one of the best in the league. How much yeah. do you cost? Mm, we're going right. to go with a rookie. The thing that I keep coming back to is when the, the pandemic happened and it caused the NFLPA to sign their CBA faster than what the veteran players were going for. Uh, Richard yeah. Sherman, in particular, was furious that the uh, the rest of the CBA voted to voted to accept the terms and agreements. Uh, Sherman was like, "No, no, this is the type of thing we should have held out, like even into the season." I know that you guys are worried about contracts, but this will make it worse in the long term. And Sherman has said multiple times in the past month or so that this is one of the things they were worried about was seeing players that can be taken advantage of and then just tossed aside. And especially yeah. when you've got a position like the right. running back where the average lo uh, longevity of their career is a, a little bit over two years, if they don't accrue a third year in the league, they don't get pension or benefits for long-term right. retirement or, or, or health. So they're being destroyed, and they're not getting the compensation for that. Yeah, it just seems that there's such a discrepancy between how one position is being devalued so much, the running back, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they are still arguably, after the quarterback, the most prominent position in the league in terms of recognizable faces, recognizable figures. Mm -hmm. They're branding. And so that's branding, image, whatever you want to call it. And that's, that's just, th there's some weird disconnect there. It's, it's one of those things that I think everybody wants to see a resolution on that helps out the running back position, but... I don't know what's going to yeah, go I don't on. Think it's right now, like... that CBA doesn't expire yeah. until 2031. So Wow. Right. And also, just as you say, the way the league is going, because it's all about throwing and, you know, passing, that's the league. Yeah. So, yeah. When Jim Ursay would more rather spend $20 million to move a whale across the country rather than pay his running back. <laughs> Did you hear that story? <laughs> No, I didn't. I didn't. So there is a whale at one of the um, aquatic entertainment parks in Florida. It's a killer whale, an orca from the Pacific Ocean. And a lot of people are like, oh, this whale has been here for decades. Whale is getting to the end of its life. And a lot of people are saying it would be nice if we could just take this whale and send it out to where the rest of its family and its, its kind is. And people are trying to say, well, let's get it out to the West Coast. Well, the transport a whale safely from Florida to the west coast of the Pacific Ocean would cost about $20 million. And apparently <laughs> Jim Ursay, who is unwilling to pay for Jonathan Taylor, said, cool, uh, let me know. I'll foot the bill. Um, um, well, there you go. You know, yep. that says it all, really. We'll pay for a whale, but not for a bell cow. <laughs> anyway, let's not be depressed anymore. Let's talk about entertaining stuff. How about uh, uh, <laughs> quarterbacks? <laughs> Or just quarterback on Netflix. Or just quarterback. I have indeed. I've watched it all oh, from man. start to finish, all six episodes, man. Man. I mean. Are you a Kirk Cousins fan now? I I'm speechless. I mean, can there be a more cringeworthy person on TV? <laughs> than I mean. Uh, Russell Wilson? I just. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough, actually. <laughs> I stand corrected. I mean. Oh, my. Oh, God. I. I, I'm honestly speechless when I was watching it. Kirk Cousins, I mean, I'll give you, I'll tell you something. He's unique. I will say, he, do, he, do, he does have a fairly good singing voice, though, interestingly, because you know he sang in oh, the I school choir. I haven't gone to that episode. Oh, I don't want to spoil it for you. 
Uh, I'll, just, I'll get to that one. I, I kind of know what most of it is, but I haven't listened to him sing but, yet. Um, so that would yeah, make him I mean, the second best singer in the league behind Justin Tucker? Okay. <laughs> yes, I, I believe so. Actually, Marcus Mariota came off uh, very sincere. I actually liked a lot. Of, you know, Marcus Mariota, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, we all know Patrick Mahomes, but yeah. the Kirk Cousins, man, he's just that RG's, you know, R sucks person and so he's got the uh the language and the uh, of a philip rivers without the i still want to cuss you out and beat you up because yes whereas philip yeah. rivers would try would like do his best to cuss you out without actually using cuss words like that's just not the intensity and fire that he has no it, exactly it's a different i mean type. he's 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 almost nauseating um to watch <laughs> Um, I'm not just going to leave it at that. Would you watch a second season if they followed him again? No. Really, you watched all six episodes of this, and you wouldn't watch it again if they. What if the, uh, the, the for the season they followed Jalen Hurts and, Kirk and Deshaun Watson and Kirk Cousins? Jalen Hurts, Deshaun Watson, and Kirk Cousins. Yes, it is tricky because if there were two quarterbacks, I mean, I'm not sure I'd want to watch Deshaun Watson at all, um, but. Um, Jalen Hurts, I think, I think would be would be interesting. Mm. I mean, that that is a difficulty because you watch it because they, they follow three quarterbacks. Yep. Um, but also, I kind of watched it because, as you say, you know what happens in the season. Yep. Um, and I watched it with um, my English friend and his son, who didn't really know what happened in the season, so they were kind of, in a way, more engaged than I was because I kind of knew when they were showing the games. I was like, well, I know what happens in this game. But, yeah. but I watching think watching that was... first episode and saying, oh, this is the game where Kelsey caught four touchdown passes. Yes, exactly. But then, you know, the, I, I did particularly enjoy it, the episode when Kirk Cousins loses to the Giants at home. When um, that was a very, that was a very, um, you know, in the very playoffs? happy episode for, in the playoffs, yes. Because everyone was talking about how, um, you know, they, they were at home and it was their opportunity. But I just remember we talked about it on our episode, how that was the one so-called upset that everyone was picking. I mean, it almost that you didn't week. Pick it. So I, I picked it. You did not pick that. I can, I can neither recall or deny. I can, I can neither confirm or deny what, what I picked. It was too long ago. But Ladies and gentlemen, um, Biz did pick the Vikings to beat the Giants, and I picked the Giants <laughs> to beat the Vikings. I just want to make no, that but I would 100% say clear. Over, overall, mo- a lot of people were picking the Giants to beat the Vikings, yep. and a lot of people... It almost got to the point where it wasn't really an upset because I think so many people thought the Giants were going to beat the Vikings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I love this. The fact that there was a, a show of this quality surrounding the types of environments you normally don't get to see these players that we only see of in stats yes. or on our fantasy teams or on in the games. It's always interesting to be able to see what are these people thinking of behind the scenes. And yes, they're putting on some of this for show. Or yes, they're only letting you see the things that the NFL or the players have agreed to see. But at the very least, you get to see these players show us who they want us to think they are. Or in the case of Mariota, because he probably had much less like push and pull on what could be shown considering the situation that happened last year. A lot more vulnerability, which honestly... Before watching the show, I had a much lesser opinion of him than I do now, um, just because from a public perspective, you saw him quit on the team, you saw him leave when they moved to Ritter, 
And now watching him from the beginning of this, you get to see his vulnerability going to a new situation. He's trying to find a new space. He's trying to find a new life. I haven't gotten to the end of the episode. Um, Biz, you talked to me about the fact that you you get to see a lot more reasons why th th this is what he did. And the fact that it, it's, it makes much more sense. It's much more excusable. It's much more human. That's one of the more fascinating stories, and I'm looking forward to this. And even just the first episode, I, I, I completely think in a much higher opinion of him than I did before watching this. Yeah, I, I think the one thing, I mean, I will say all, all of them, it puts a more human aspect on yep. playing what, you know, is, a, is a, a saying in America, you know, it's the most difficult position in all of sports to play or the most important position in all of sports to play, certainly in if the, the U.S. The, of A. Uh, the show wants you to think anything, yeah, but, you know. Exactly. And so it puts a more, the personal, the human side. I mean, obviously it follows them in their, their home lives too for a little bit. And, you know, you see they are people that have lives and they have families and, you know, they're not just this machine with a helmet on their face um, that goes out every Sunday and, you know, throws a ball around so so what's yeah. harder to you from somebody who's a fan of both sports is it harder in your mind to be a quarterback in the nfl or to be a goalie in premier league i, I it, it's true uh -huh. I mean, no no honestly i mean I, I i would i would say it's it's much harder to be a, a quarterback um because actually i don't think those positions are i think you pick the wrong position in football i, I would say you say it, center forward um yeah, like a striker, or because because weirdly the, the 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 keeper in football is is probably the it, it, I don't want to say it's the least important. You're trying position. not to put your foot in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the most it's the least sexy position in in football. So if you're comparing apples to apples, it would be the striker or the centre forward with a quarterback, and yeah. then I would say, well, they're comparable. But if you're comparing a quarterback or a, or a goalkeeper, then no, I mean, it then is more difficult forward, to uh, Let's go center. Let's go um, striker versus quarterback then. You say comparable. Yeah, I, it's, I don't know. It's, it's apples to oranges, though, because the sports are so different. And I think the weird thing with being a signal caller is that you, you have the ball in your hands and you dictate play and and. Proper football isn't like that. It, I mean, I, I don't mean to... It is the ultimate team game because you're not reliant on one person. Mm -hmm. You can have a striker that doesn't score any goal. I mean, there's a there's a whole system out there called the false nine, um, which is about playing a, a form of football where you don't actually have a recognised striker. Spain won the World Cup playing that formation because it didn't actually yes, have a striker. Did. So, you know, I it's, again, sort of... It's, it, you can't compare. You can't compare. So it can't. So you can't compare it. You can't necessarily say that it's more important than an NFL quarterback. And yet Saudi Arabia wants to pay Kylian Mbappe a billion dollars. Gotcha. Yeah. Which, but to be fair, he 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 did not speak to them. So so he, he, you're he right. Something but right. they still. Has, so, so they wanted to pay him a billion dollars <laughs> before talking to him. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, there's another it, documentary out there, the Johnny there's, there's Manziel no series. There's no corruption in football, just, just to add. Yeah, uh, in no any kind of football, there's no such thing <laughs> in 
there is another documentary uh, that just came out today uh, as we're recording this about Johnny Menzel. I'm looking forward to seeing that at the very yeah. least. In the same way, I would be looking forward to seeing something like uh, the the Real Housewives or Jersey Shore or something like that. But yeah. I think it's going to be a little bit more deep than that. I agree. I am. When I read about this, I am definitely going to watch it. I'm. I'm yeah. really interested to watch it. Um, I, I wonder if there has been a talent that has fallen from grace so, so quickly, and so far as Johnny Manziel, who was so hyped Colin when he Kaepernick. came out of college. No, it's not the same because Colin Kaepernick went to a Super Bowl, and he was good. That's he was true. a really good quarterback. It wasn't like Colin Kaepernick couldn't play. Johnny. Johnny Manziel was a bust. He was an absolute bust. No one would say Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick was a... Yeah, exactly. What, what was it? <laughs> I'm Johnny... showing the money sign right now. Well, what, yeah, what was his nickname again? Money Manziel. No, it, was it that? No, it was Johnny... Johnny Football. It was Johnny Football. That was it. Yeah. Johnny Football. Yeah, Money Manziel, Johnny Football. That was his name. Yeah, and it was, you know, it all stemmed from... Because everyone remembers how he went to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama and... And that and that kind of stemmed this, you know, mm -hmm. Johnny football, and he was brilliant at college. And then Cleveland picks him, and I'm just interested to see. I mean, we all know he's had he has had some really serious issues, obviously with it's been a really mental really health. It's been a really rough road for him, and I think for me, I'm just interested. I'm just interested to watch it, and because you read reports how he said he contemplated suicide a couple of times, and mm -hmm. and it would just be interesting to see his road. Um, and so I am interested. Uh, I am interested to watch it. I think I think it will be a very interesting documentary about about his life and and what happened in those NFL years and intervening years. One of the things that I have to constantly remind myself when I think about somebody like Menzel, um, it's really really easy to dismiss the troubles that he's had by saying, "Well, he's he's been rich his whole life. He's 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 in a family with oil money. Um, he he was gifted uh, the." ability to do all these camps, all these trainings, to be a, as good of a football player as he was, to be able to be a first-round pick and all this. He's been handed so much that's for him. And while none of us can really sympathize or, like, really connect and be in that same shoes, being able to see, again, the humanistic aspect of the fact that even though this guy had everything, it came crashing down so yes. much. And his yes. uh, the way that he crashed was so volatile, uh, you can see that this person still has humanity in him. And I, yeah. keep in mind, I've never been like a big Johnny Menzel fan, but you have to feel when you see that type of a fall from grace. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, it, I, and I think the other thing is, it, it's also well-documented that he, he comes from a family, he comes from a wealthy family. And yeah. that playing American football, you know, obviously he wants to play to the highest level, but it was well-documented that even if he didn't have it, he would be set for the rest of his life. Um, because he comes from a family of, you know, he comes from money. And, and as you mentioned, it just goes to show that it, it doesn't matter about your circumstances. You can still be affected by a lot of mental health problems too. And it doesn't matter kind of your, whether you're, whether you're rich or poor or whatever your lot in life, you can still be affected by the same problems as, as everyone else. Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to watching that one. We have a lot of rookies that have been, not just playing well in the preseason or playing well in training camps. Uh, so far, we have a couple of rookie quarterbacks that have already been named as starters for their team for the regular season. Bryce Young was announced by the Panthers to be their starting quarterback week one. 
So we're not worried about this whole Andy Dalton competition, or do we need to give him a little bit of time to acclimate to the speed and strength of the NFL? They're, they're going right in at him and giving him a full season. Uh, Anthony Richardson, earlier today or yesterday, was announced to be the Colts' starting quarterback start week one, which, interestingly enough, uh, Richardson was one of the players that people thought, give him a whole year to just sit behind yeah. and learn. But nope, they're going to go with him. They're going to let him learn on the job. And even if none of the other quarterbacks have been listed so far to be starters, we've also seen a fifth-round pick, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, kind of excel and, and highlight for the Browns last week. Um, he was pretty much like the talk of last week from starting quarterbacks. Him and Aiden O'Connell were the two guys that everybody's like, this guy's great. But Dorian Thompson-Robinson is really, really pushing to be possibly the backup quarterback for Deshaun Watson over Josh Dobbs. Interesting stuff out of our rookies so far this year. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm most interested to, to see Anthony Richardson, um, obviously, yeah. but partly because that was the well, guy fantasy, that, you know... Fantasy implications. Yeah, yes, of course. But also, <laughs> just he was the kind of lightning rod a bit of the draft because he just shot up, you know, all the hype around him. But also, you know, the landscape... I mean, this has been going on probably even for over a decade now. The landscape of drafting quarterbacks has changed in that you draft a quarterback to start now. This idea... And of course, there are exceptions, obviously. Even Patrick Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith for a year. Like, and, and you know, there, there yeah, are a few a very occasions good job with where... That. Yeah, and there are a few occasions where, okay, the odd quarterback does sit for a couple of years. But basically, um, Jordan Love, obviously. But but basically, now it's got to the point where when you're drafting a quarterback, it's to start now. And so there isn't that, you know, grace period where you can sit behind like Aaron Rodgers did with Brett Favre for like three or four years and and do that. The, the idea of drafting quarterbacks now is, no, you need to be ready now. You need to be NFL ready now. And you're drafting a quarterback to start now. I'm I'm interested to see Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young. I mean, he was he was always highly touted as mm -hmm. going to be the number one pick. I'm not I'm not really surprised that he has been declared the starter. I mean, over Andy Dalton, I, I would, yeah. given the team situation last year, both of them, it's like why not see what you've got at the quarterback position and give them yep. time, as you said, to learn on the job. It's not necessarily you have to go out and be a star right now, but just show what you can do and. Maybe maybe they'll be better than they were last year, and then the next year they can improve. You brought him up, but uh, also Jordan Love's been playing well so far in the preseason. Um, yeah. Talking about quarterbacks who actually did get a chance to start. It, it, it has a lot to say about the job security of the coaches that draft rookie quarterbacks if they're able to give their, their players time to develop. So you mentioned before about, uh, about Patrick Mahomes, who sat behind Alex Smith with a team that had been to the playoffs four years in a row is that yeah. <laughs> and with uh, Andy Reid, who was about as secure as possible, they could take a first-round quarterback and not have to worry about if if, if there was any job security on the line. Uh, you took Jordan Love a couple of years ago because you had Aaron Rodgers, who was still going to be good there, with Matt LaFleur, who had had a fantastic start to his coaching career. So there was no worry about job loss there. Um, it, it's almost more likely that if your team doesn't desperately need a quarterback but can certainly be improved at a position, like let's say, for example, if the Vikings do well this season and then maybe a uh, Michael Penix Jr. or Bo Nix or a uh, Drake may fall a little bit in the, into the later part of the first round, do the Vikings take a first-round quarterback? Because their coach will be set. They don't really have a strong need at quarterback if they keep Kirk Cousins for a couple more years. 
maybe that's not a bad spot for a guy to go. Just security is good for these guys to develop and grow, but not on the teams that have first-year quarterback uh, that have first-year head coaches with teams that need to win now. It's I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm biased. Yeah. Couple of lightning round stories. Uh, NFL 100 came out, uh, finished up last week. No surprise who the number one player in the league is. Number one is Pat Mahomes. Not a lot of shock over who number two was, which is Jay Jettis, Justin Jefferson. A little shocked at number three, honestly, and quite frankly, happy that this player is at number three. Jalen Hurts voted on by his peers in the league. The NFL Top 100 is a is a poll based off of how the rest of the players in the league go. I think there's some input by other people as well, some coaches or some other, but for the most part, it's by the league's players. Jalen Hurts is player number three in the league. What are your thoughts on that? It is, it is surprising. However, if it was based on recency bias in terms of last year, then no, I think it's fair enough. I mean, yes, you could put maybe Josh Allen in there. You could put Joe Burrow in there. You could, you could maybe even put a Justin Herbert in there. But, you know, given, given how excellent was J- Jalen Hurts was last year, I actually think it's completely fair enough. I, I really do. I mean, all you touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. He was. I mean, he was great, and I think, I think it's fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it, it's acknowledgement of what you've accomplished so far for a player who was passed over for Tua at Alabama, who was yes. passed over for the Heisman when he was at yeah. Oklahoma, who yeah. fell to the second round. Um, only to take the job from Carson Wentz. First full season as a starter, go to the playoffs. Second full season as a starter, finished second in the MVP and made it to the Super Bowl. Now that he's the second best player in the league by his peers, love the story. I don't think at this point I'll stop rooting for Jalen Hurts until no, he decides until something bad Let, happens. But you know. let's not even let's not even forget when he took over from Carson Wentz. There was still Carson Wentz. There was still a lot of doubts even at the beginning of last year. People were like, "Is Jalen Hurts the guy for Philadelphia?" So. Yep, he you was know. quarterback like yeah. eleven or twelve on yeah, yeah. last yeah. year. Yeah, there are people yeah. taking him in the first round in some of the mocks that I've been going in. In the very first mock draft I did this off season, Jalen Hurts was the first pick in wow. my first mock. Yeah, draft. I yeah yeah. I I mean I wouldn't go that far, but yeah. No, but Deserve. you can see why. Yes. Yeah. I but think there are more threat. valuable. He's a dual threat. Exactly. So. So all the respect, kudos in the world, and I can't be happier that he's finally got that type of acknowledgement. Yeah. Uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about this uh, Sean Payton, Nathaniel Hackett drama <laughs> that happened almost a month or so ago the at this bit, point. Yeah, I, I did, if you'll indulge me. I mean, honestly, I mean, I heard about this story, uh, you know, from across the pond, and mm-hmm. I, was, I was stunned. I've got to be honest. I mean, I, I was stunned at Sean Payton and I was stunned just uh, you know how Nathaniel Hackett actually even said like you know when a reporter asked him did he break the code I mean there was almost a coach's brotherhood coach's fraternity and to to totally just just shred what he did in Denver I do think went beyond the pale and I think the interesting thing is like to be fair no one probably knows how bad he was more than Nathaniel Hackett. And I know that sounds a bit, but I, 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 don't, I don't think he's obviously not stupid. I don't think he thinks, oh, I did an amazing job there because it doesn't take a genius to work out that he was god awful there. But to pile on to a professional coach 
is just it's just out of order. It really is. And honestly, you're gonna you are gonna be stunned at it. You know how 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 massive an Aaron Rodgers fan I am. You you, but, you wake up with Aaron Rodgers number twelve pajamas every day. I do. Or number yeah. number eight even now. Oh now it's number eight. Um, yeah, you had to go uh, get the uh the new ones. The new ones. We we all know how I feel about Aaron Rodgers, but I have to say I do have a slight newfound respect for Aaron Rodgers for coming out and defending Nathaniel Hackett because mm-hmm. he came out and just said, yeah, there's a code there. You don't do that to someone like that. And also, and I know he's going to defend his offensive coach, but also his I think a too. lot of this, yes, his friend, but I think a lot of this is Sean Payton thinking he's, he's better and bigger than Nathaniel Hackett because of what he's achieved and how high esteem he is held in the coach's fraternity. But, but there, there are certain players that you can't go against. And Sean Payton is not on that same level as, say, Aaron Rodgers even. And I would say that Aaron Rodgers knew that and was just like, no, you know what? You come at me, I'm going to go at you. And was just like, no, stay in your lane. You know, check yourself, Sean Payton. And I, and I, and I, I have a bit of respect for Aaron Rodgers to come out and say that. And um, yeah, I, I, was, I was just really stunned at what Sean Payton did. I, I've actually lost a bit of respect for Sean Payton. I do, I do think he has this aura of invincibility and in that like he's very big for his boots and he, he has won a Super Bowl fair play to him it's hard mm-hmm. to do but he and I hate saying only one but he has just won one and it the was weird that Aaron Rodgers has won exactly and true but and he did do it with Drew Brees one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time all time um, and so yeah you know like this isn't he's not Bill Belichick. He's not Bill Walsh, you know. No. Um he's not Andy Reid even now. So so I, I'm you know, I think I, I I do think Sean Payton might live to regret it a little bit actually. Um but I've I've lost a bit of respect for him. I'm not sure if I've lost respect for for Sean Payton for this. And I'm not going to talk too much about this, but the th- the thing that I'll say about this is Sean Payton recognized what a what a dumpster fire last year was with uh, the first year of the Russell Wilson uh, experiment in Denver. And while it was pretty abysmal from a, from a coaching aberration as much as you possibly could, especially with management, like a few weeks in or like half a season in, they hired a, another coach just to watch the clock. Uh, so at least Hackett was mindful and present enough to be able to realize that, hey, this is where I struggle, so I need help with. He, he wasn't beneath looking for something like that. I think what Sean Payton has realized is there was a lot of this idea of too many cooks in the kitchen last year. And but. Sean Payton is realizing that his job is to set their record straight to make sure that this becomes a functional ship again. And the first thing he had to do was go back and think, I have to tell all of this whole, this whole like team and this whole business around this team that what last year was is not the right way to go. Regardless if it was like right. any one particular person, it's really easy to blame the guy who was on his way out the door because they're not there to defend themselves, which is part of the problem I have with this is you're not in a public forum that you immediately get that response back and forth. And Peyton did apologize saying that that was not the right thing to say. But at the same time, his job is he needs his guys to get on board with what he's saying right now. And if there's anybody lingering on the old system, it's his job to tell everybody the old system was not right. Now, I don't know if I agree with everything that he said or anything that he said or if it's a good thing to say, but I can see why he did that. 
not done in the most proper way. Yeah, I think that we can both agree on. Absolutely. Last story I wanted to talk on before we wrap up this 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 episode. I'm just so glad that we're talking again. This this is awesome. It's been being good. back on the it's waves. And um, listeners, if you're excited for this season again, like please reach out to us once again. Our uh, our Twitter. Uh, handle is at Improper Fantasy. Uh, email account is Improper Fantasy Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, the last story I have for today is uh, Snyder's gone. <laughs> Snyder is gone. Washington, D.C. fan base, you no longer have to worry about the shadow that is the Dan Snyder era. You have gotten through it. It is now Josh Harris and his ownership group that's in charge. Josh Harris will be the face of the ownership organization. And one of the things that was commented on in, in one of the interviews he had to the public was that they are going to contemplate a name change for the Washington Commanders. Be uh, honestly, like I get why he wants to do that, because they essentially picked the name because most of the good names were already had already been... Uh, a trademark trolled or copyright trolled like other yeah. people had had claimed them at that point but at the same time there's just something about the name commanders to me that just didn't feel right it felt kind of artificial manufactured and forced i i agree i mean i think also when you think of a commander you think of strong leadership and a strong culture and there couldn't be anything more more wrong about that name mm -hmm. associated with them washington team and so i kind of so i do agree that it's it's the, it's the completely wrong name for what they were under dan snyder yep. even after changing their name but you know i to be honest i think that's the least of their worries at the moment they oh, yeah. need to just there, there are so many more important things and josh harris to be fair uh, you know who's also a minority owner of uh, uh the 76ers no, come on. <laughs> of Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace FC, the pride of South London. Yes, who we just beat Sheffield United <laughs> on our first game of the season on Saturday. Great win, 1-0. But anyway, um, yes. Your so, favorite owner in the NFL now. But, <laughs> um, he just needs to establish, A, trust with the fan base, trying to get that stadium full, which he used to do in the 70s, 80s. It used to be sold out every every Sunday, basically. Mm. Um, and now it's not. There is just so many he needs to build a culture. He just needs to build a strong foundation, a strong management leadership culture. I think he's got the right coach in Ron Rivera. Um, he's got Eric Bieniemy there as well. So I think there are some good pieces in place. But I think as for changing a name, I just think maybe, but let's leave that for the time being. Um, I think that's and a down the road type of yes. thing because it, it it even took Snyder and company a long while to get on board of what that name change were. They were looking for a couple years for something there. I don't believe that that's his primary focus, but at the same time, like the fact that it's something he mentioned in his in one of his opening addresses to the public or conferences and and, and mentioned that this is something that they're contemplating, like you know that they're they're thinking about a complete overhaul of this because the image is not good. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, it, it's something down the road that they need to contemplate. But I think there are more important, they, they're more important things at hand that they need to sort out for them to be a competitive team in the league. And with that, dear listeners, we have come to the end of another podcast. Biz, do you have any shout outs 
Wow, God, I could go on because it's been what? Three, four months since we've been on the air, but I'm going to keep it short. Three months. So, well, I just talked about Palace. I'm not going to, but um, I am going to shout out the mighty Lionesses, England women's football team. We do, we battle the Matildas, Australia, in Australia tomorrow, World Cup semi final. Mm-hmm. Come on, the Lionesses. I'm sure you can do it. I know the world is rooting against us. I think we could, we've, got, we've got a better team than Australia, but that crowd is going to be baying for blood, as they say. But I think we got the team to do it. And last but not least, and to be honest, we should have actually talked about this, but I would like to shout out a certain amazing 20-year-old Spanish tennis player called Carlos Alcaraz for, we all know what he did at Wimbledon, beating, obviously, well, not just beat my favourite player of all time, Novak Djokovic, um, and Marks as well. Um, mm. Oh, what, what a match, what a player. I mean, we, we've talked long about the next generation tennis players, but this kid is something special. Uh, whether he's going to win 20 Grand Slams, no, probably not. But I think he's going to win a fair amount. Um, he is unbelievable. To, to beat Djokovic the way he did, who apparently hasn't lost on centre court for 10 years or something. I've got, I've got no idea. He hasn't lost at Wimbledon for like four years, I believe. To do what he did, and uh, to see Djokovic cry on centre court, there was there was there was nothing better in the world. So, so I'm going to leave it at that. Well done, Carlos Alcaraz. I mean, you you took my shout out um, away from me, Carlos Alcaraz. It's so refreshing to see fresh faces uh, that have clout behind them, that have this the confidence behind them. And you know that when you watch them, you're going to see years and years and years of competition from them. I don't need him to be. Uh, a a Federer or yeah. a Djokovic or a Nadal. I don't even need him to be an Andy Murray. But yeah. I just the fact that he has now arrived. Yeah. Uh, and the yeah, fact that as I'm looking through the top ten ATP rankings right now, I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players in the top ten that are 25 and younger. Yeah. It's an exciting time to see this next generation begin to come of age and. Djokovic has still got years in front of him. It's not like he's going anywhere anytime Absolutely. soon. Absolutely. Yeah. But he'll be back. Seeing opportunities for the torch to be passed, I, I yeah. cannot cannot be more excited for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Biz, my coffee is empty. And for that, all I think is cheers. Cheers. Till next time. <laughs>